Welcome to eAssist Growing Your Dental Business Podcast. Tune in as the experts in dental business share tips and tools to grow your practice. To learn more, visit dentalbilling.com. Please welcome our next guest. Welcome to eAssist Growing Your Dental Business Podcast. This is Penny Reed, and it's a pleasure today to be with David Harris. Good morning, David. Good morning, Penny. How are you? Well, I'm doing really well. I am so excited about uh, being with you today. And for those of you who may not know what the name David Harris means, you're in for a treat, especially if you are a dental business owner or planning to become one. So um, David, not only his topic, his business uh, embezzlement, to, to me, one of the saddest things that can happen to a dentist that owns a practice after all the work that you've uh, invested in in starting your business and running it and paying all the overhead and paying for the team and to have that that leak somewhere that you really have no idea that you have and sometimes it's small and sometimes it's sometimes it's large so uh, David has has made a career and and has a passion he and his team uh, for for finding those people that are doing that and uh, well, eradicating them from your practice. But I, I know, David, you have a really interesting story. I'd love to hear about how you got started and, and let's go from there. Absolutely, Penny. I, I'd, I'd like to tell you that I had some kind of master plan and that I saw a real opportunity in dentistry for somebody who investigates embezzlement. Um, the truth is, is maybe a little uh, less planned than that. Um, and, and let's go back well, well, we'll we'll start our story in the mid '70s, and uh, that's when the call came to my parents from the principal of my high school. And the basic gist of the call was that it is time for David and the school to stop wasting each other's time. Uh, so suddenly, I was turned loose on the world at the at the young age of 15. And 15 uh, year olds with time on their hands, Penny, don't tend to make good decisions about what to do with it. And I was very much in that category and the police were starting to show up at my parents' house with some regularity. And eventually I got put in front of a judge and the judge said green or orange. And I didn't really understand. He said, Mr. Harris, I'm giving you a choice. And the choice is what color you can wear next week. And it suddenly occurred to me that orange is what you wear in prison. Green, of course, is the color of the army. So, taking all factors into account, you know, my complexion and things like that. I said, green sounds good. <laughs> and uh, away I went. And the, I, I should give the audience a little bit of uh, the, the context. This is shortly after the end of the Vietnam War. And wearing a green uniform in those days was not something that a lot of people aspired to. Mm-hmm. So the military was having a lot of trouble meeting recruiting quotas. And they were, um, shall I say, flexible. I'm sure. And so how old were you now? Were you still 15? I was, yeah, I was about uh, two weeks shy of my 16th birthday. Wow. And this is the Canadian Army, correct? That's, cor- that's correct. That's okay. correct. All right. Um, yes, in case my accent didn't give it away, I am Canadian. <laughs> well, and- hey, when, when you talk to me, I sound so Southern that it, it probably, everyone else may think you're from the Midwest, so. Well, there's that. So away I went. And, you know, for the first time in my life, I felt like I belonged somewhere. And... The, the army was, and I were a great fit. I got promoted quickly. Uh, eventually, to misquote Paul Simon, my lack of education became an issue, and I was uh, quite thrilled to be sent away to college and 
I, I have a master's degree, but no high school diploma, which, wow. which might, which might make me a little interesting. Oh, I think you're really interesting anyway, uh, with how, how you figured all these things out. So, you know, in all the years that I've known you, uh, I, I didn't know this. I didn't know that this was how you got started. I feel like I've, I've just begun a really good book. Keep talking. Okay. So, um, I, when my, my army time was done, I went to work for a bank. I lasted a couple of years. I got very frustrated because they just insisted on making the same mistakes over and over again. So, so I left my investigator job there. And in 1989, I was sitting at home and uh, thinking about what to do next, or I guess really trying not to think about what to do next. And the phone rang. And it was a guy I'd been in high school with in my short time there who was now a dentist. And he said to me, David, I think my receptionist is stealing from me and I don't have anyone else to call. Wow. And his timing just couldn't have been better. I mean, I was bored, silly. This is before there was such a thing as a, as a PVR and you just whatever was on TV was what the network decided mm -hmm, to give you, mm -hmm. which in August of 1989 was not a heck of a lot. Mm -hmm. So I said, great, I'll meet you at your practice tonight after work and we'll get to the bottom of it. So I went over to his practice that night. It was before our practice is computerized. So the old pegboard system that the uh, older 10% uh, of your audience might remember. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, I remember them and, and I can remember going in as a consultant and seeing that and going, oh man. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I didn't know a whole lot about how dental offices worked, but I, I could figure out what she was doing. Mm -hmm. And so I, I laid it out for my friend and he was uh, quite pleased that I had found it. And he asked me another favor. He said, could you come in the next morning to help me fire her? Because I prefer not to do that by myself. And I knew I'd be as bored the next day. So I said, sure, no problem. So we did that job and my friend promised to buy me dinner that I'll mention I'm still waiting for. Oh, wow. Um, but you know, who, who keeps track of things like that, Penny? Well, I, yeah. Although, although I'm thinking when this airs, you can send him a link. Say, uh, he's, this is you, buddy. He, he's, he's retired now. I don't okay. really like my chances. Um, so I walked away and I thought that was interesting, but I didn't really uh, see a career for myself. Well, a couple of weeks later, lightning struck. And what caused the lightning was that I had an appointment at my own dental practice and I was about to go in and I had my hand on the front door and I looked through the glass panel in that door and sitting at the front desk of my dentist was the same woman I helped fire two weeks earlier. Um, yeah, what I said next was a little less polite than that. I sprinted to a payphone because in 1989, you didn't carry a cell phone with you and called the practice, used a little bit of deception to get through to the doctor, got him on the phone and told him about the time bomb ticking away at his front desk. And he panicked and he asked me, what the hell do I do now? And I, I started to answer him and I got about a sentence and a half into my answer and he said, you're hired. And that was my first client. By the time I finished his work, the local Henry Shine rep had realized what I was doing. And he had a couple of other clients with concerns and suddenly I was in business. Uh, no planning. I didn't even have a name for the, for, for the business. I mean, it was, it was all very, um, uh, very haphazard. Mm -hmm. 
Well, I, I think that may be what, what is called a calling, <laughs> right? When it shows up and it, and it finds you. So, well, that's amazing. Well, one of the, one of the things that, uh, that you, uh, had put in the show notes, um, you know, for our preparation, which is, um, just mind boggling to me is that 75% of dentists will be embezzled and, and I don't know if, if that's pretty close to what has already happened. I know I've heard a lot of different stats thrown out there. Of course, when you're present, I know that it's the right stat. Uh, one of the last conversations I was in, I think somebody said one in four. And I said, oh, no, it's it's a lot higher than that. Uh, that That is amazing and also very sad. It is. So this is a mainstream problem. This is not something that affects a small minority of dentists and and most of them can just tune it out because it will never touch them. That's that's not the case at all. Um, I, I'll give you the, the best statistics I have. And they come from the American Dental Association. What the ADA did in 2019 was they published a survey where they had asked 17,000 dentists, have you been stolen? And I'll give the good news first. 53% said, as far as I know, I haven't been. And it's hard to get definitive answers to this question, but they said, I don't think so. So of course the other 47% said yes. Um, a few things we don't know. The first is how many of the 53% who said no actually had been embezzled and just didn't realize it. I guess there's also the possibility that somebody realized that they'd been stolen from and for whatever reason chose not to tell the ADA about it. So there's some underreporting. The other thing that we don't know is how many of that 53%, and I guess for that matter, how many of the 47% who said, yes, I, I know I've been stolen from, will get hit either for the first time or again in the rest of their careers. Um, so when you, when you factor those, those things all in, three quarters of dentists is a pretty good estimate. Yeah. Oh, well, no, that makes total sense. And, and I'm curious, have you seen are are the um, individuals or or small gangs of individuals that that do these sorts of things do they tend to target a smaller practice have you seen much of this in in the mid you know mid markets where you might have 5 to 10 or 5 to 20 locations have you seen it as rampant in DSOs or are you seeing any trends it happens in all those places. Um, it's, it's a little hard to make a frequency calculation just because, you know, to start with, you don't even necessarily have good statistics on how big each of those groups are. Sure. We, we work with everyone from some of the biggest DSOs in the country to solo practices. Okay. And we see embezzlements in, in all of those contexts. The way it happens is a little different in, let's say, a DSO versus a solo practice because the DSOs have better control systems in some places mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that doesn't stop embezzlement. It simply channels it a different way. Sure. And but... the, the countervailing factor to that is that one of the ingredients that a thief has to have to steal is rationalization. In other words, they have to be able to say to themselves, I know that in general, it's wrong to steal. However, in my specific circumstance, it's okay because, and then whatever they say after because is the rationalization. Mm -hmm. And where do you think it's easier to rationalize when you're working 20 feet away from the guy who signs or gal who signs your paychecks or 
you're working for some big Fortune 500 company, you know, where you've never met the CEO. True, true. It, it, in your mind, you can think, oh, well, you know, they're thus and such size and, and I work so hard and I'm not properly rewarded, therefore that makes this okay, or, or whatever the, the rationale is. I, I will share just briefly with you my little bit of time in management before dentistry. So for a couple of years, I was with Walmart Corporation. And of course, in the distribution center, you had one thing to look for, right? You know, people somehow getting to freight before it came into the building or walking out with it. Um, you know, and we had security in different areas. Yet in the store, it was, you know, there were a variety of different ways that um, both employees and customers tried to get away with things. And, and from the standpoint of being in management and watching, because my mind didn't work this way. Uh, you know, it's, well, when someone goes to return a VCR, you need to open the box. Well, my innocent, you know, because I would not return something in a box that wasn't what was in there. Right. And so sometimes it would be an older model VCR. One time we had um, two yellow pages that were in the box you know, that someone was trying to return and pass off like it. And so I know that there are different things that you may or may not want to touch on as far as, you know, what to look for or how do you, how do you know when it's time to reach out to a company like Prosperident? Um, so I'll, I'll kind of let you take that thought process and in, in whichever direction you think is best. Absolutely. And you said something very important there the way that people steal in a given circumstance is a function of what opportunities exist for them. So stealing in a warehouse looks different than, than stealing on the shop floor. And the, the exact same concept applies in, in dentistry. If I'm working in your practice as a bookkeeper, that suggests uh, certain ways to steal. Whereas if I'm your office manager, I probably have a different set of opportunities. Uh, for that matter, if I if I work in the clinical area, you know, I'm a I'm a dental hygienist and I want to steal, then I probably go a third direction because I have very little access to either incoming or outgoing money, but maybe there are consumables I can steal or um, I can raid the gold jar in the in, in the doctor's operatory. So it starts with opportunity and, and everybody's picture there is a little bit different. Um, in, in terms of the question you asked about how do you know when it's time to call somebody, I'll say a couple of things. And the first thing I'll say is trust your gut. On average, it's right probably 70% of the time. And when a doctor calls us and, and feels like staff members are stealing, they're most often right. Beyond the gut, which is kind of a non-specific way to do this, most embezzlement is uncovered by the way a thief acts. And when people are stealing, there are certain defined behavioral manifestations of that. For example, a lot of thieves, not all, and it depends on the pattern. And again, back to the opportunity, but a lot of thieves will be reluctant to take a vacation. When they're gone from the practice, they can no longer control how information flows through the practice. Um, a really big embezzlement that I worked on fairly early in my career. This was about $600,000 in 1992. It's, it was very big money then, um, less so now. The way that it all came to light was that the office manager broke her leg one weekend skiing. And Monday morning, for the first time in anybody's memory, she was not in the practice. 
And what happened next was that at about uh, 11 in the morning, one of the receptionists came into the senior doctor's operatory, took him out of the operatory, which was a huge no-no in the, in the culture of this practice, and said to him, there's something weird going on here because I've gotten three of these very strange phone calls this morning. And it was all patients calling with, with questions about their bills, but not, not kind of a run-of-the-mill question that you'd expect to get. And had the office manager been there that Monday morning, like she was every other Monday, those calls would have gone to her. And of course, there was no chance that they would have escalated to the doctor. So there are a lot of behavioral manifestations like that when somebody is stealing. Um, thieves like to be alone when they steal. So that means typically this person will come in early before everybody else or stay late or maybe gently slide into the office on the weekend to, to do their stuff. Thieves will be very territorial. So possessive about their job duties. And a lot of times, many it will even extend to their workspace and their computer. I get reasonably regular calls from dentists who say, yeah, my, you know, my office manager was at lunch. Um, somebody else needed to do a quick thing on the computer and they, they grabbed her workstation and the office manager came back and lost it. So that's the, the kind of thing that might happen that, that would be unusual. Mm -hmm. Well, and, and I've seen, you know, back from my consulting days, usually, you know, I was not the one, I, I don't, I don't have the background that you have, you know, I'm not a forensic certified public accountant or a certified fraud examiner. Often I came in after the fact uh, when they had hired a new person and they were, you know, Hey, can you help us, um, you know, re rewrite the ship, you know, get back on the right track. It was shocking to me from some of the stories that I heard. It was, Oh, well, we went to church with her and she told us, you know, which I'm thinking this person was very forthcoming. Oh, I knew when I took the job, like, like she had intent when she took the job because she knew they would trust her. And, you know, so they had let her, um, they gave her the ability to sign checks. I mean, there was just some crazy, there's some decisions that are made, I think sometimes out of convenience or not wanting to, you know, offend someone or make, make them feel like you don't trust them. And there's a phrase, there's usually something funny that comes out of this phrase. So I want to throw it out there. I don't know if, if I've talked with you about it before. Um, trust in the Lord, but tie up your camels. You know, so it's, it's like exercising smart trust. And, and of course, you know, I'm a big fan of outsourcing and that can minimize. I don't want to say that it completely eliminates, but it can minimize a lot of risk when you don't have the same hand that has the ability to access both the practice management software and, uh, you know, QuickBooks and the banking software. Absolutely. You just said a lot of uh, important things in that, in, in, in that statement, Penny. Um, first of all, one of the characteristics of a lot of embezzlers is that they fear the involvement of outside advisors. So when the doctor says, I have great news, we're going to bring in a consultant and you have one staff member who is visibly less happy about this than everybody else is. That's a clear warning sign. 
in other words, they know they can fool their doctor, but somebody who thinks about dentistry as a business first and a healthcare profession second is a big threat. Um, another thing I'll say to dentists is do not view something like an overt display of religion as being an indication that people are honest. Uh, the fact that somebody goes to church or synagogue or mosque or whatever means absolutely nothing. Um, in fact, one symptom of dishonesty is people who go out of their way to show you how honest they're being. When, when, when somebody makes a visible show of honesty, that's often a signal that they're, they're dishonest. If somebody truly is honest, they don't need to wear it on their, on their sleeve like a flag. Right. It shows up in their results, not necessarily, hey, look at me. Um, honest people just believe that everybody perceives that they're honest. Mm -hmm. And they have no compulsion at all to reinforce it or to say, look, doctor, I'm being honest with you. When, when somebody says those words, they're indicating a deviation from their normal pattern. They're not reinforcing it. Um, and I agree with you completely about trust. You know, the, the thing that a lot of doctors struggle with is the difference between delegation and abdication. Delegation meaning I'm going to give responsibilities to people, but with an accountability back to me, and I'm, I'm going to do something to enforce that accountability. Abdication being, I don't ever want to hear about this again. And a lot of doctors abdicate when what really should happen is delegate. Um, one of the things that I like about outsourcing, and I, I think we're um, more or less in the same position on that, is that it comes with accountability. And I look at how eAssist, for example, operates with doctors, and there's, you know, there's plenty of reporting, there's um, there's, there's lots of information available to doctors. And I'll say that we get a fair number of calls each year from somebody on the e-assist team or, or one of their clients who says, yeah, you know, we've, we've spotted an anomaly here and we, we need it looked into. Mm -hmm. Well, and, and I'm sure, I mean, obviously, you know, because I'm on the e-assist team, you know, like this is, I'm the, I'm the number one fan of e-assist. I know there's a lot of other uh, outsource dental billing companies out there as well that I'm sure experience some of the same issues. It, it's usually quite telling. Uh, and, and sometimes it may not be that they're embezzling, although I would imagine more often than not, they, they are, that there are a lot of office managers that are super apprehensive about working with a company like ours because they, well, number one, they feel threatened because maybe they're thinking, Hey, I'm not doing my job as opposed to this will free you up to do, you know, some super important things that will help you grow the practice. Uh, but the other is, is they simply do not want, they don't want, you know, the billing parts fine, but they don't want us to post the payments, you know? So there's a lot of red flags, uh, that absolutely, uh, that we see. And, and, you know, one of the other, and, and I know I've known some very fine office managers in my time. So if any of you are listening to this, I'm not talking about you uh, in particular, yet I find office managers truly, if they're managing your practice as far as, as, you know, are there patients in the chairs and do we have a team that's present and are we following all these guidelines? 
really shouldn't be the ones that are paying your bills. I, I'm such a fan of having an outside bookkeeper uh, because it just, again, it keeps honest people honest and, and you have different controls in place. So uh, I, I don't know uh, how, how you may want to speak to that. I agree completely. Uh, separation of duties is one of the best protections that you can have in a practice. And it applies to how the bills are paid. And I agree with you in general, that should not be something that an office manager is involved in. It also applies penny within um, the revenue side of the practice. You know, what a DSO would call revenue cycle management um, in the different tasks that happen there. And when, when you look at money flowing through a practice, there are essentially four jobs. Somebody receives the money, somebody records it and by recording it that typically means processing a payment and practice management software somebody does a reconciliation and that's where the deposit and, and the total collected from the practice management software need to line up with each other and then somebody makes the deposit and the rules that we have are very simple no one person should do more than two of those four jobs and the two that they do should not be sequential in other words, the person who receives funds should not record it. The person who reconciles should not deposit. Um, and an advantage of, of working with an outsource company, whether it's eAssist or somebody else, is that uh, typically the recording function, at least for insurance payments, not, not for over-the-counter payments, but for insurance payments, the recording function goes elsewhere. So instantly you're starting to achieve separation of duties. Yeah. Yeah. Oh no, I totally agree. And it's back when I think back to my days as an office manager and I didn't know the why behind it, uh, the dentist that I worked for already had a lot of this in place. You know, in other words, if, if you posted the payments, then someone else, you know, double checked it. And then we would all put our initials on everything. And at the end of every day, and I didn't really know why we did it. And I know we live in a, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this. I know we live in a digital world now. We would print that day sheet out and also run an adding machine tape. And, you know, we would initial it and date it. And our doctor would initial it and date it. And then he would file it. And, you know, a lot of people may think, well, wow, that's an unnecessary step. But it was actually brilliant because, and you would know this more than me, at least for the practice management software that we had, those day sheets were numbered. They had a unique serial number or you know identifier on there. Um, so would love to hear your thoughts on that, or if there are other way specific ways that um, that dentists can help protect themselves on a day to day basis. Absolutely, and it sounds like your doctor understood the concept of of separation of functions really well, and had you know had thought about how to how to divide up the duties. Great. Um, unfortunately, we still see a whole lot of practices where those four functions I mentioned, and again, they are receiving the funds, recording them, reconciling them and depositing them. So the three R's and a D are done by one person. And that makes somebody stealing and then concealing what they've done really easy. In terms of things that should happen in a practice, um, I'll, I'll give a few things. The first thing is this. If I own a practice, I need to make sure that 
what is recorded in practice management software is accurate. And this applies to the payment side. Of course, it also applies to the, the treatment side. Um, you can do whatever kind of checking you want, but if what was captured by the practice management software is inaccurate, none of those checks and balances are going to produce the results that you want. So the first question is, 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 is what happened today in my office uh, comparable to what's recorded in the software? And what that means is if, if I'm in, let's keep it simple and say it's a one doctor, one hygienist kind of practice. At the end of the day, my practice management software prints a report. It's called various names in, in different software packages, but it's a summary report or a day-end report or a day sheet, and it lists all the payments, all the fees, and all the adjustments. Before I go home today, I need to look at that. I need to make sure that what happened in my operatory is captured properly. So if I did a three-service filling and it's recorded as a two-service filling in the practice management software, it might or might not be embezzlement, but it will cost me money. Um, if my policy in my office is that people pay their co-pays or at least their estimated co-pays at the time of treatment, did that happen? Do I, do I see co-payments for all the people who are in today? So we need to look at it at a, at a very basic level. You cannot give this thing a 30 second glance and, and, and toss it into your inbox for uh, the day when you might get around to it. You need to commit the 10 minutes it takes to go through this properly, to make sure you understand the adjustments that were applied to make sure that, as I say, what you know you did in your operatory is captured properly. If you have a hygienist or you have associate dentist, they need to review their own reports the same way. You, the practice owner, need to look at the overall practice report. So. That's the first thing that needs to happen. And as I say, if that part is not happening, uh, then it doesn't matter what you do next because you, you haven't established the basic integrity of, your, of, of what was recorded in your software. Um, beyond that, there are a couple of really basic things that need to happen. The first is that your software records how much you collect. And how much you collect and how much you deposit should be, and I will stress this word exactly, the same number. The problem that dentists have is the theory is simple. The application is a little bit more daunting. And the reason, Penny, is that there are often timing differences between when your practice management software records a receipt and when it gets deposited to your bank. And I'll just give the audience a really simple example of this. Let's say you have a patient in your practice today who pays by credit card. The software records that as a payment today, but with most merchant service companies, there's a couple of day lag before the money goes into your bank account. So your software might record it on Thursday and it might not hit your bank account until Tuesday. So that's what makes the, the system challenging. When I started in 1989 with pegboard, it, the world was a lot more simple and you knew at the end of the day whether your deposit equaled your collections or not with certainty. Now you don't. And to, to bring this into what eAssist does, um, with other things you have the opposite phenomenon where, where a bank puts money direct, or sorry, where an insurance company puts money directly into a doctor's bank account. That money is normally in the account before the EOB is received and posted. 
So you have you have the reverse kind of vector. So those things make that reconciliation process a little more challenging. The basic advice I give to a doctor is this has to be done, but you don't have to do it personally. This is something that can be outsourced as opposed to delegated. And by outsourcing, I mean an external bookkeeper. Um, I, I think Penny at, at one point anyway, eAssist was offering this, this service uh, to to its customers oh, as well. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, we do the EFT regulation, uh, uh, reconciliation as well as full QuickBooks bookkeeping. So, uh, you know, I can remember probably 10, well, even less than 10 years ago. I mean, it's been about two years since I got out of coaching, uh, having uh, my clients come to me and say, you know, I, my accountant retired or, you know, my bookkeeper retired. Where do I find one? And now to have the ability to not only have a, a dental bookkeeper that knows QuickBooks, uh, but that also knows dentistry and doesn't have their hand, you know, in, in a lot of other things. But, oh, those EFT reconciliations, when I had clients who were married to accountants, um, it if you're not great at it, it can make you crazy. So, yes, it, that is absolutely can. something that we uh, offer to, to dentists. And, and I'll stress this to the audience. This needs to be outsourced as opposed to delegated. In other words, asking your office manager to do this for you is like handing the fox the keys to the hen house. Um, so you, an outside bookkeeper, e-assist, maybe your CPA firm can do it. You know, if you're really lucky, you have a family member, a spouse, or maybe a kid in college looking to earn some extra money who can do it. But we need to make sure that what was supposed to be deposited is the same as what was deposited. And I'll add one third thing that uh, people don't often think about, and I'm going to call it articulation and dentists learn articulation in a clinical sense. In other words, that the, the mandible and the maxilla should have a certain relationship with each other. Articulation in a financial sense means this. If your practice was open 21 days this month, and you have 21 day end reports in your left hand. And if in your right hand, you have a summary report for the whole month, if you added up the, the 21 individual reports, they should um, add up exactly to the totals on the, on the month end summary report. In other words, your collections, your fees and your adjustments as per those 21 daily reports should be exactly the same as the monthly report. If they're not Penny, then what happened is somebody came into your practice after hours, posted some stuff and you don't know about it. So articulation is the other step. And again, it's nothing the doctor has to do personally. Um, if they want, we have a spreadsheet and I'm happy to give it to any of your audience members who ask me. Uh, we have a spreadsheet that'll do all the math and also help you chase those amounts with with timing differences between when they're recognized by software and when they're recognized by your bank. Um, but it's also something that is a, is a great thing to outsource. Yeah. Oh, I totally agree. And I love that. I mean, I, I think you took a concept that can be com incredibly overwhelming and, and really simplified it to say, Hey, these, you take these 21 individual figures and then your month end figure and they should match. So, um, no, I think I think that's that's brilliant. Uh, so, what what is 
I've got two questions. One is if they would like that spreadsheet, what's the best way to get it? And then when would you recommend, I mean, obviously if someone's feeling it in their gut, I would recommend that they contact you immediately. Um, but so one is how do they get the spreadsheet? And then when would you recommend that someone reach out to you? Um, you know, at what point of the, in, in their suspicion? Great questions. Uh, the, to get the spreadsheet, just send an email to our, our customer service email address, which is requests at prosperident.com. And just mention that you heard this podcast and you love the spreadsheet and we'll, we'll send it to you with some instructions. Um, in terms of reaching us and, and discussing your situation, first of all, I am happy to have a conversation with any dentist who wants to learn about their options for protecting themselves. So you can, you can reach out to me anytime and we'll have a conversation and, and give you some alternatives. One alternative that we have is to do an investigation. And that's where we look backward at what's happened in your practice to see if, if there was some kind of fraud pattern there. We also do proactive work with practices where we help them ensure that their systems are protecting them the way that they should. And you and I talked about division of duties. So that's one of the things that we look at. We also spend a fair amount of time teaching doctors how to navigate their software and, and make sense of their reporting. Um, because overwhelmed is a word that I hear a lot. You know, practice management software has the ability to generate buckets full of reports every day. Um, so if I'm a practice owner, what should I be looking at? Which reports, what constitutes an outlier in those reports and what do I do about it? So we have some, we have some proactive work that we do as well with, with doctors. We also have Penny, what's called the embezzlement risk assessment questionnaire. And that, that's a, about a 15 minute activity for a doctor. And it basically measures how much somebody is acting like they're stealing from you you know, those behavioral markers that we talked about a little while ago. So uh, we, we do have an open offer for uh, ESS clients uh, and I'll just extend it now to anybody else who's listening to this, uh, this podcast to take that questionnaire, which normally costs $139 for nothing. Wow. That's awesome. Uh, so, Thank you so, so much just for con doing that. Contact us again. And again, the email is requests mm -hmm. at prosperident.com and say you'd like to do the questionnaire. It's a, it's an online scored questionnaire. It takes, I would say at the outside 15 minutes to do, and you get a score and it's scored like a college exam. So a mm hundred -hmm. is perfect. And if you score 40, you don't call your mom to brag about it. Yeah. Wow. Well, thank you so much for offering that. And, and it's also, and, and I knew you did it. I'm, I'm really glad that you spoke to it. Uh, that you don't have to have that feeling in your gut uh, that something has already happened. Uh, we would encourage, just like you would encourage a patient uh, for the dentists that are in, it's like, hey, that's why you want to come in uh, twice a year as a patient or whatever the recommended recare sequence is for a particular patient is to prevent these things from happening in the first place. And 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 I, I know you would, would say absolutely it would be wonderful if all of the work that you did was around prevention, although I'm sure there is a little bit of an adrenaline rush uh, when you catch a thief for sure. So, um, but thank you for pointing out, don't wait until you feel like you're a victim or you think you might be. Uh, go ahead and get those standards and protocols in place and, and protect yourself. I, 
one thing as we wrap up, when you were mentioning about the $600,000 and, you know, back then that was a lot of money. That's still a lot of money for, for a lot of the dentists listening. I would imagine they may not have that in their retirement account yet, or that might be very close to the amount that's owed on their loans. Uh, so, um, you know, you, you don't, you're not alone. You don't have to be alone in all this. I know sometimes it can be lonely if it, you're an individual practice owner, or maybe it's just you and a couple of partners. So, uh, David, we're grateful that you and your team, this, uh, amazingly smart team that you've surrounded yourself with, uh, do the work that you do. And we appreciate that so much. And, and E-Assist appreciates you as well. Well, thank you very much. And uh, I'll say I'll, I'll say the reciprocal. I'm glad E-Assist is there because you guys provide a tremendously valuable service. And especially in a time like now when every dentist is saying it's hard to find good staff, um, it is wonderful to have resources like you that they can go to and, um, you know, gain, gain some top-notch expertise that they just don't seem to be able to hire today. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. All right. Any other, um, I think, so we've got requests at prosperident.com for those two items. I will also put that uh, in the show notes. Any other, any other parting comments today? Not at all. If you need to reach us, you can do it through our website. You can call us on our toll-free number, which is 888-398-2327. Or you can send an email to that address I just mentioned, requests at dentalembezzlement.com you'll hear back from us within a day. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. And uh, thank you to our audience for tuning in. We look forward to being with you next time. The purpose of this podcast is to interview the consultants within our eAssist consultant network. This podcast is for informational purposes only. For more details, please visit the homepage of this podcast platform at dentalbilling.com. Thanks for listening.